I'm Madison. And I'm Emily. And this is the Hockey Trash Cat. Although it feels like it was weeks ago, the NHL Awards were this week. Kanan Thompson hosted. It was a wild ride. He was great. It was fantastic. Right. I had fun watching the awards, even though I wasn't super duper attached to anyone that was up for awards, other than, of course, love of my life, Sidney Crosby. Um, They were a lot of fun to watch. I, like, scared my family off. We were on vacation. I was like, so, by the way, I will be watching this. And they all heard me laughing, so they came in to watch. And they were like, yeah, no, we're out. You're lost. (laughs) You were like, you just don't get it. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry you don't think the, for the last time, I'm not a Subban joke is funny. Like, that was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. I, there were a lot of really good jokes. I really enjoyed the trophy bit where he was, like, the fake trophy historian. That, that one was pretty funny. brought me so much joy. And also, I really enjoyed when he just, like, attacked Sidney Crosby. <laughs> that was incredible. I think he was... Also, his joke... His joke about the Blues winning and, like, so finally Gary Bettman could pretend they were chanting Blues instead of booing him, that was iconic. Yes. It was just... It was really fun. Which is weird, because the NHL awards usually are not very fun to watch. The Tony Babcock thing was, like... A little uncomfortable, but then somebody said that he was supposed to be Pierre Maguire, which made it, like, a hundred percent funnier. Yeah. Fuck Pierre Maguire. Well, in more recent news that feels relevant to my life currently, the draft happened. So, huge welcome to new Avs. We love them all already. We really do. We got Bowen Byram with the fourth overall pick. And Alex Newhook with... Is it 16th overall? Yeah, probably we're 16th. I want to give a shout out to Bowen Byram for his fun fact that no one knows about him him which is juggling and his go-to karaoke being Bruce Springsteen and I want to give a shout out to Alex Newhook for saying that the fun fact about him is he has a sister who's better than he is at hockey so we already love these children we stand but uh just in case you don't already know this Bowen Byram didn't say that his special talent was juggling the question was what something about you that no one knows or something and he said and I quote I can juggling does that make any sense grammatically absolutely not is English his first language yes therefore there is no excuse for that and this isn't like and borderline illiterate is our brand so it really is it was perfect. It's just I don't actually know how big he is, but he's blonde and he's not small. <laughs> I, I just him. thought that I was fucking him. amazing because it was a written response. It wasn't 
a verbal one where like there's just no reason for him to have eye can juggling amazing he yeah. can though it's okay they posted it's a video he can juggling yeah he did juggle though he juggled pucks in one of his like hype videos it was great incredible other drafted people for the abs number 47 overall drew helson helson i don't know he's a defenseman he's also american which is lit matthew steinberg who is a center drafted number 63 overall alex bocage number 78 overall a right wing sasha mutala I, I'm butchering any of these names. I'm very yeah, sorry. I, yeah. Right wing number one, 140 overall. Luca Burzan, right wing number 171 overall. And Trent Minor, goaltender number 202 overall. General consensus is that we nailed it with our first three picks. And then everyone yeah. else is just too far down the list to know how they'll turn out. Which sounds believable to me. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for all of these children. Me too. I'm very excited. Also, I watched... Jack Hughes did go first overall. Um, he did. Which I figured he would, but that was exciting. And um, I I got a little teary-eyed watching him go. Because, like, I don't even go there, really. But, like, it just makes me so happy to see people live their dreams. Like, I literally yeah. just got really misty-eyed watching, like, him and his parents react. And then... Yeah. Also, the U.S. National Team Development Program had nine kids, I think, go in the first round, which, which was is, a record for them. Like it was a, a good year for the Americans. Huge record. I mean, this blew their last one out of the water. And, um... Kako in second, obviously, but the big surprise, at least for me, of the night was Kirby Doc going third overall yeah. to the Blackhawks. But I mean, whatever, fuck the Hawks. Like, if you want to make a I mistake, know a lot that's of your. For us, for our fourth, so I guess it's not like super surprising. I thought they were gonna take Turcotte. Yeah, I figured they would go for Turcotte or Byram. Doc. Ugh. I don't think should have gone that early on, personally. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about any of the prospects. Yeah, I Bowen Byron was actually ranked third and went fourth, so technically he was a steal. Um, yeah. And I don't think defensemen always go with high for whatever reason. Yeah, but he's looking at, with Byron, we're looking at like a like, franchise defenseman. Yeah. He's... Yeah, everyone's super hype about the potential Byron-McCarr pairing. So... Yeah, he's gonna Stay be tuned for that. elite. With the draft always comes trades. So, we have some trade news. None of which involves yeah. the Avs, thank God, some yet. wild shit went down, though. In, I guess it's not a surprise that he got traded because there's been noise about it forever. But in a move that I did not expect, PK Subban is now a New Jersey Devil. 
and the Preds got Steven Santini, Jeremy Davies, a second round 2019 pick, and a second round 2020 pick. So, that was exciting. And then... That is such a bad trade for the Preds. Like, I... That's my take. I just can't... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just excited that now Van plays for a team that I have no feelings about because I really hated Nashville. And I don't have feelings about the Devils besides that Curtis Gabriel is incredibly valid. So now I guess I'm a Devils fan? Yeah. Also, his reaction to getting traded was to Photoshop his face onto a picture of someone in a, like, Devil Halloween costume and make it his Twitter profile picture, and what a legend. What an icon. Amazing. Uh, yeah. In other big trade news, uh, Patrick Marlowe is now going to go be a dad to the Carolina Hurricanes. Except he probably won't because he wants to go to San Jose because that's where his family is, so he's probably going to get bought out by the Hurricanes and move to San Jose. Oh, did his family actually move to... Yeah, his family's going to San Jose, and they're, okay. like, we're going to do it no matter what happened, and he was like, he wants to be there, so. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Anyway, he wrote a super cute little, like, goodbye message to the Leafs, and then specifically to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and I cried. It was fine. Big mood. Um, yeah, I mean, it was basically a bag of pucks trade, because the Leafs were just trying to clear cap space, and couldn't afford to buy Marlowe out. So, yeah. That's what so happened. So now they have there. like $6 of extra space to give to Mitch Marner. The Canucks got JT Miller from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um The, uh, Devils. the Devils got John Hayden from Chicago. Yeah. For, for John Quenville. Unclear if he's a relation of Mm, and there were some trades, but that's boring. And I'm not gonna read those because they're weird. Yeah. There the were Flyers got Justin Braun, and the Rangers got Jacob Truba from the Jets in exchange for Neil Point Point. And a first round pick yeah. in the 2019 draft. Yeah. There were so many pick trades that I didn't realize happened. Yeah, because, well, none of them involved the Avalanche, so I didn't actually care. Is really what it came yeah. down to. Basically. Oh, speaking of uh, Avalanche babies, though. There's a video of Alex Newhook's friends that went to the draft to, like, root for him. And when they see him, like, right after he got drafted, they, like, scream and, like, it's the cutest shit. They're they so excited. And they're all wearing Newhook jerseys. It's... Most of them are wearing them backwards, too, because high school boys are idiots. It's but I love so it so cute. So cute. Um, it is the purest and most beautiful thing ever and like I'm going to watch that video every day. Flyers signed Hayes. 
yeah, to like seven or eight years and a gazillion dollars. So that happened. So uh, he will not be about us trying to get him. So I guess that's off the table now. Yeah, he gone. Um, yeah, I'm sure free agency shit will start going down. Now, I yeah. mean, next month, but they can start talking now, so. Yeah. I know there were a lot of Tyson Berry trade rumors happening around the draft, and then also a Sackick had a meeting with Rantanen's agent, but nothing's signed yet, so now everyone's freaking out about that situation. They're not going to sign anything until they know what the cap is. Yeah. Which, like, it's truly ridiculous that they didn't release what the cap is prior to the draft. Yeah, I think it stilted a lot of would-have-been trades. Yeah, ridiculous. Gary Bittman is not good at anything. It's true. Speaking of Gary Bettman not being good at anything... There's... So, there's... It's like a lawsuit... Okay, so... It's in federal claims court. Like, I don't understand enough about law shit to, like, really truly know what all's going on here. But, basically, the NHL claims that it's not to blame for any neurological problems suffered by the players. And its argument is basically, it's your own damn fault if you get hurt, you should have seen it coming. We love victim blaming. Good, love it. Good shit. Nice work, Batman. Love it. I hate him. Yeah. So this is some sort of... Looks like something happening in Minnesota. National Hockey League players concussion injury litigation. Oh, boy. Yeah, so the NHL is, like, every bit as much of a clusterfuck as we had believed and refuses to take any sort of accountability for players getting injured. So that's super cool. Um, While the organization at at large, like, the league at large, I guess, uh, isn't taking any accountability, I guess the... uh, the owners are not feeling as shitty towards their own employees, I guess, as Batman is. Because unanimous rule changes passed, and they are actually pretty interesting. So, they added more that coaches can challenge. So, you can, basically, you can challenge plays that go- that ended in a goal um, that should have resulted in play stoppage um, in the offensive zone. challenge missed penalties, I think. There's some, like, weird fine print about it. Yeah, so you can't challenge, like, it has... I think they're pretty specific about what it can be. So it would be... So the puck can't come out of the attacking zone between the time of the missed infraction and the time the goal is scored. So it it basically has to lead directly to a goal scoring. So, and it includes, um, 
Pucks that hit netting, pucks that are high-sticked to a teammate, pucks that have gone out of play but are subsequently touched in the offensive zone, and hand passes. L-O-L at the addition of hand passes. Yeah, so it's basically, it's mostly a, in response to the hand pass sitch that went down. But yeah, it's not like players being shitty to each other, it's the puck being played in a way that it wasn't supposed to, and it didn't get caught before the goal, and so coaches can challenge for it. But There's also now unlimited coaches' challenges, right? Yeah, so instead of you having to use a timeout for a coach challenge, you can use it whenever the fuck you want to, but there's penalties for getting it wrong. So the first time that you get it wrong... It's a minor penalty for delay of game. And then the second time, it's a double minor. Um, My favorite commentary on that was someone saying, okay, great, but where's the option to challenge, for the coach to challenge physically to a fight anyone on the opponent's team, including their coach, in the Pierre box? I would love that. I would pay so much money to watch, like, Jared Bednar just beat the shit out of somebody in the little, like, between the benches press box. To be fair, this would have been a lot more exciting if Patrick Wall was, like, back coaching in the NHL. Oh my god. Oh my god. People would die. Yes. That's 100% true. This is what I'm super excited about. This is my favorite rule change because this is literally exactly what I asked for earlier on this very podcast. So um, anytime a major non-fighting match match penalty is called, they are required to conduct an on-ice video review. So either they confirm that it's a major match penalty or they reduce the penalty to a two-minute minor. I'm very excited about that. This would have avoided the Vegas situation. It seems incredibly logical. I've been at games where something should have been a major penalty and it wasn't called a major, and you watch it back and you're like, oh, the ref probably couldn't confirm for sure that it was going to be a major penalty, and so they didn't want to take the risk and fuck up the game. Or you see it the other way around, where they call a major and it really should not have been a major penalty. And there's been a lot of arguing back and forth about what they should do about this, but I really do think that this is the answer, and I'm very excited yeah. about it. I think that's a good call. Um, also, reviewing all high sticking, I think that's an option. So they high stick by your by your teammate. Yeah. So if it's going to be a double high stick, um, the ref has the option to review it, but they don't have to. Which is kind of weird, but okay. Um, yeah. On the tune of to the tune of concussions, um, they changed the helmet rules. I don't think they're yeah. strict enough, but it's a no. step in the right direction. I think that the helmet rule should be if someone's helmet comes off in play, play is stopped. If, like, a player removed their helmet on purpose to stop play, then, like, obviously that's a fucking delay of game penalty. Throw them in the box. But otherwise, I mean, it is a safety issue. And they do it in the IIHF, so 
we should be doing it too. But so the I, new rule is the player either has to put their helmet immediately back on or leave the ice, with the exception of if they're in a position to play the puck. Yeah. Which I get that they're trying not to stop the flow of the game, but you're literally in the most danger of something happening to if you're in a position to play the puck without a helmet. Yeah, that's kind of my issue. And then also the penalty goes to the player who lost their helmet unless another player intentionally removed the opponent's helmet and then they get the they get the penalty. So I do like that there's penalties being added for fucking with helmets because the only way your helmet comes off in play is either like some really terrible hit in which case you should be getting off the ice anyway you put your helmet on wrong which is dangerous and you deserve a penalty for being stupid with your brain or someone else removed it and they absolutely deserve a penalty for being fucking dick so so is that gonna get added on to fighting penalties it is. It's considered a roughing penalty. So, like, if you knock someone's helmet off while you're fighting them, oh, do they just like stack that in there? I don't know. But that's usually fighting doesn't happen during play. Yeah, so I guess it doesn't matter then. I don't know. That's interesting. But I mean, who knows? We'll see. I'm just reading the summary of these. I don't. Yeah. I'm not reading the, like, official jargon, so. Um, other changes that are more minor. The defensive team will not be permitted a line change when a goalie freezes the puck on any shot from outside the center red line. Similarly, if the actions of a skater of the defensive team cause a stoppage by unintentionally dislodging the net from its moorings, the defensive team will not be permitted to make a line change. In both of these instances, the offensive team will have a choice of which end zone dot the faceoff will take place. So basically, if you, uh, basically just less line changes available for defensive teams. After an icing, as well as at the beginning of any power play, the offensive team can choose which end zone dot the faceoff will take place in. If the goalpost is deliberately displaced by a goalkeeper during the course of a breakaway, a goal will be awarded to the non-offending team. That's lit as fuck. That's amazing. I love that one. That's some good shit right there. Puck out of bounds. When the attacking team is responsible for the puck going out of play in the attacking zone, in all instances, the face-off will be conducted at one of the two face-off dots in the attacking zone. Yeah, that's... They also shifted... I think they shifted face-off location for attacking team icing calls... They, like, wanted to get rid of face-offs in the neutral zone, it looked like. Yeah, they, they, it's interesting. Those are the major changes, but there was also, like, I, supposedly there were rumors that there was talk about just getting rid of offsides. Yeah, I kept seeing that, and I don't know how reputable any of the sources I saw it from were. 
It's a fucking terrible like, idea. Give me an offside video review, but don't get rid of offsides. Like that is a rule for a reason. Yeah, I would be pro getting rid of offsides video review because I think video review should really be used for like. I don't know, with offsides, it's like, that's the linesman's job, is to get that right. Also, if it's so close that you need to go to video review, does it matter? Like, you're supposed to call it if you're, like, miles ahead of the defenseman, and, like... I also just don't think it's fair to the players to, like, be watching for the ref, the linesman to signal, and then be like, oh, that signal doesn't matter because you were offsides, when it's like, they were just doing their job. It's yeah. not the player's job to... I mean, it's their job to make sure they don't go offsides, but, like, if they do and but the linesman doesn't call it, like, that shouldn't be their problem. Yeah, and it shouldn't be stressing about, like, fractions of inches and, like, you know... Camera angles. Of my skate cross a millisecond before... Like, no. It should be, oh, look, I'm, like, clearly over the line and the puck is not here yet. I should not touch it, maybe. Yeah. So that's how that goes. Before yeah. we get into gay disaster rankings for our Pride Month special, let's do some fictional Avs updates. Um, oh, yes. In a plot twist that I myself did not see coming in my Sims NHL Bachelorette, one of the few non-Avs that I have added into my game won the first impression rose. And it's Austin Matthews. He just really... (laughs) successfully flirted with the Sim version of myself and has... I did... Sim me did reject him when he asked me out on a date. But no one else has even gotten to that point, so gotta give credit where credit is due. I love that you put Matthews in your game. Mostly just because I wanted to uh, find ridiculous outfits for him to wear. Okay, that's incredibly valid. In Av's Big Brother news, this week's head of household winner is Nathan McKinnon. Which is what he deserves. It is. He now gets to nominate people for eviction, and he nominates Mark Barbario and Semyon Varlamov in a very pragmatic move by Nate McKinnon. Good move. We stand. I knew we liked him for a reason. Gabe Landeskog, Kale McCarr, and Vladislav Kamenev are drawn to participate in the Power of Veto competition. And the winner is ultimately Vladislav Kamenev. Do we know anything about him as a society? No. He does not use the Power of Veto, and so everyone will be voting on Barb's or Varley. I'm personally rooting for Varley to go home. Well, there is a correct decision here. Um, Matt Nieto held a house meeting to apologize for his behavior. It was well received. Oh, good. Jared Bednar, the only non-player that is in the house, (laughs) um, 
just the pressure started to get to him and he had a public emotional breakdown. <laughs> Sounds real. Poor Benji. Varley lashed out at Kerfoot irrationally. Sounds real. Yeah. Kerf does not deserve that. Grubauer told a heartfelt story about why he deserves to win. And Kerfoot accidentally made another inappropriate comment. Because he did that last week too. Get it together, Kerf. <laughs> Alexander. In the votes, by a vote of, what's the number? 11 to 6, Semyon Varlamov has been evicted. Good. Correct choice, gentlemen. He gone. Finally. And now the house can be at peace. Just kidding. It can't be because it's fake reality TV. <laughs> Tune in next week for more fake reality TV with Abs and other NHLers. Love it. Right, should we do some gay disaster rankings? Let's do it. So I was thinking we could go by like five at a time maybe to compare. Yeah, that works. And the last one will just be four. Yeah. That's how math yeah. works. Yeah. I have 24 on there. I don't know. Like, I didn't include Kamenev. I didn't include most of the, like, I didn't, I included Makar, but I didn't include any of the various AHL players besides Graves. I did include Kamenev, but I can take him off because okay. I didn't know where to put him. So I just kind yeah, of put him in there. So I'll take him out. Okay. I'm going to begin my rankings by saying I did not rank Kel McCarr. And the reason I did not rank Kel McCarr is because he is a child and has not, therefore, I cannot think of him as having any sort of sexuality. He has not That's hit fair. puberty yet and therefore... <laughs> is... I was going to say, he is 20, but also you're valid. <laughs> He's a literal child. <laughs> I mean, yes, you're not wrong. <laughs> this isn't about reality. This is about the fact that I literally was like, I don't know where I can put him on here. He's he's baby. <laughs> that's that's incredibly fair. He's in my like nebulous middle pack where I really have no justification for anything I did. Okay, so I'll start with my bottom four. Sweet. Since I have one less than you do. Coming in at absolute last place is Semyon Varlamov, because he sucks. In second to last place, I have Ian Cole. Then I have Gabriel Bork, and then Matt Nieto. Wow, we were remarkably close. So I have Varley in last, Ian Cole, Gabe Bork, and then I put Carl Soderberg. Okay. I don't have Soda much further away. So. Yeah. Nieto, I just... Does. Bork and Nieto just give off very straight vibes, which is fine. Cole and Varley okay. suck and therefore are not... Don't give off gay disaster vibes. Yeah. My thing with... Soda is just like he doesn't really give off any vibe except scowling and like secretly low key funny. But 
neither gay nor disastrous. That's incredibly valid. Okay, you can go first with the next five. All right, next five. So in 20th place, I have Sven Endergetto. 19th is Derek Brassard. 18th is Philip Grubauer. 17 is Matt Calvert. And 16 is Matt Nieto. Okay, yeah. No, we're definitely on a similar train of thought. Because I've got Nemeth at 20. Calvert at 19. Soda at 18. Barb's at 17. And Grooves at 16. Fair. So my logic with, like, my only thought with Calvert is, like, Calvert seems like the cool dad that you could definitely come out to. But he himself lacks appropriate, like, gay energy. That's how I felt about Calvert and Nemeth. Like, that's why I put them both where I did. Because I was like, they they seem like allies, but not um, gay themselves. Which, you know, is fine. Soda, um, I put, because he's just not a disaster at all. But he also doesn't give off straight or gay vibes. And therefore just goes above. Um, yeah. And then Barbario and Groob just aren't disasters, and they don't give off heavy gay energy at all, so... That's fair. Although, the picture of Groob in Lederhosen and the Stanley Cup with a cow, like, those give off some kind of energy. I'm not sure what the energy is, <laughs> but they have an energy. You're, you're right. It does. Alright, your next five... Um, I have Sven Andrighetto, then Colin Wilson, Kerfoot, Rassard, and Zadorov. So we matched our uh, Kerf and Z rankings. Wild. So I had uh, Makar, Landeskog, Kerfoot, Nemeth, and Zadorov. Nemeth above Kerfoot. Fascinating. Do tell me more. Literally just for the backpack drama. Okay, I'll like, allow it. his top secret backpack was just, like, it was too dramatic to not have some sort of gay energy to it. And Kerf is just, like, honestly, it's his constant proximity to Tyson Jost that gives him the most gay disaster energy. That's literally, that was my reasoning too. I was like, Kerf by himself belongs lower on this list because he gives off neither gay nor disaster energy. Emphasis on no disaster energy whatsoever coming from (laughs) Kerf. At all. has his shit together energy. But he lives with Joe's and Comfort who give off a lot of gay disaster energy and like some of it's just rub it, gotta rub off. (laughs) Truly. Also, Nikita Zadorov has a beautiful wife and a beautiful family, but also just like low-key strikes me as the kind of person who gets pegged by his wife, so <laughs> I feel like there's that, and also he's 100% a disaster. I was gonna so. say, he gives off heavy disaster energy, like, I love Z, but the disaster is strong with that one. Yeah. 
Wilson also gives off, like, uncle that would be, like, 100% chill to come out to, but is not gay himself. Yeah. I feel like I maybe put him a little higher on my list than he should have been, but it's fine. Alright, so my next five, I've got Colin Wilson coming in at ten, Mark Barbario, Mika Rantanen, Ryan Graves, and in sixth place, Eric Johnson. Okay, we have Rantanen and Johnson in the same spot. So I have Gabe Landeskog because he himself does not give off gay disaster energy, but he makes everyone around him give off gay disaster energy. Yes, that's fair. And I feel like I may not have factored that in enough in my ranking of him, but Mark Barbario's Freddie Mercury mustache just sort of had to bump him up a couple spots, so... Okay, that's valid. I just, basically everyone from this point on are people that give off heavy gay disaster energy on their own, and so I put Gabe just, like, slightly below them. That's, that's fair. Uh, so then we have Sam Gerard, Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and Derek Johnson. Alright. I'm glad that we felt the same on Miko. That's a that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like we should do our next two and then we have to do the top three as a separate thing. Yes. Did I miss someone? Because I might not be able to count. That's entirely possible. You also so I had Makar and you had Kamina. Oh, okay. I removed Kamenev from my list, but he yeah. was in the bottom. Okay, so okay. Uh, I. So how many do you have left? Four. Okay, so we're off slightly. So I have two left. In fifth place, I have JT Comfer. And in fourth place, I have Nathan McKinnon. In fourth, I have Ryan Graves because he gives off heavy butch lesbian energy and I can't explain it it's just he does he just I does. feel that that's very valid and I love him for it and for our top three I have JT Comfer in third I have Sam Gerard. valid the, the Mon Chum posts I couldn't like there's as much as JT giving literal heart eyes to Tyson Jost in both the color blindness correction video and the uh, Mile High Gala video. I like, I couldn't pass up Sam Gerard's public, like, daily post of devotion to Eric Johnson. <laughs> in second, I have Tyson Jost. Same. And I think we can unanimously agree that Tyson Berry is obviously. <laughs> the number one gay disaster energy in the entire NHL. That is 100%. Someone in the NHL could literally come out of the closet and I would still say that Tyson Berry gives off the most gay disaster energy. That's true. It has nothing to do with, like, anyone's actual sexuality. He just... The energy, it's so potently disastrous and so... not straight. (laughs) I mean, literally everything he's ever said about Gabe Landeskog in every interview ever. He is so in love, and I respect him for that, and I agree. 
I love it so much. I'm really glad we could agree at a top two and bottom two for this whole ranking. Top two and bottom three. We were uh, yeah, they just pretty similar lists, honestly. So well, that just goes to show that this is based on science and not opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Yeah. So you should all send us your uh, gay energy rankings and see how they compare with ours. Yes. We'll put something together and post our results so you can all see how we match up. Happy Pride Month. <laughs>